want to welcome you all to this Billionaire Consciousness Expansion. We're going to have a wonderful Holy Ghost time in the Lord this evening. Today I'm looking for four readers. The first reader is going to read Matthew 7, 1 to 3. The second reader is going to read Matthew 7, 4 to 6. The third reader is going to do Matthew 7, 7 to 9. And the fourth reader is going to do James 3, 10 to 18. That scripture was part of today's service, but it's very apropos for where we go in this evening. So I thought uh, I, will, I will put it in, even though I was um, just focusing on Matthew 7, the first nine chapters in Matthew 7. But I found that this piece in James, James 10 to 18, was very apropos. Judge not that he be not judged, for with what judgment he judged, he shall be judged. And with what measure he might, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? But considereth not the beam that is in their own eye. The word of the Lord. Praise be to God our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How will thou say in thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine own eye? And behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. The word of the Lord. Peace be to God. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? The word of the Lord. Praise be to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessings and curses. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Do it a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Either a vine, fig, so can no fountain both yield salt, water, and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him shew out of a good conversation his work with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your heart, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, doubly. For where envying and strife is, 
there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Amen. Praise be to God. Now we started off with Matthew 7 and Matthew 7 starting with verse 1 it states judge not that ye be not judged for with what judgment ye judge ye shall be judged and with what measure ye make it shall be measured to you again this statement could only come from one who had a deep insight into universal law of cause and effect which balances everything and sees that in the long run everyone receive his just due everyone this law some people call it the high chancellor of God. The law of cause and effect is the law of perfect balance, of logical sequence, and inevitably or consequence. Whatever a man sows, he must reap. Whatever a man sows, he must reap. And you don't have to be consciously sowing it. You don't have to be perfect, purposefully doing it. If you have that kind of thoughts in your head and, and so on, you're sowing something into your life unconsciously, but you're sowing it anyway. And whatever you sow, you will reap. The law of cause and effect is, an, is unchanging unchanging and every man's action produce an effect in his life every man's action produce an effect in his life which must be ultimately experienced unless he transcends the law already set in motion such a concept supposes that we are surrounded by a universal law which is entirely impartial and which returns to the thinker the logical effect of his actions. We, being a free agent in this law, whether consciously or in ignorance, is continually setting in motion to some definite end. Therefore, it is it is true, relentlessly true, that we must reap what we have sown. We are going to reap what we have sown. If you don't like what you're seeing, change your method of thinking. Change your pattern. Change it. 
This means that life must return to us the manifestation of our motives. Life must return to us the manifestations of our thoughts. Life must return to us the manifestations of our motives, our thoughts and desires. Whether these motives, thoughts and desires were intended for ourselves or for others. Are you hearing me somebody? Hear me well. Don't think because you're wishing someone evil means the evil going to happen to that person. It's not. You can't affect that. It's going to happen to you because you're sowing it within yourself. Don't think because you're thinking bad thoughts about something because somebody ticked you off that the, the bad thoughts are going to reflect on them. No. They're going to pay the price for their action by their own thoughts. But you sowing these things into yourself. So let me say this again. Man being a free agent in this law, whether consciously or in ignorance, is continually setting it in motion to some definite end. Therefore, it is true, relentlessly true, that he must reap what what he sow. We are going to reap what we sow. This means that life must return to us the manifestation of our motives, thoughts, and desire. Whether these motives, thoughts, and desires were intended for ourselves or for others. It means that the thought of judgment, criticism, and condemnation must in time Operate against the one who sets it in motion. You hear what Jesus start off he telling you, judge not yet ye be judged. It is doubtless necessary to the well-being of society that our civil laws be enforced Else, in our present state of evolution, there will be no protection from those who seek to destroy society. But personal condemnation can be entirely eliminated. Let me, let me, let me repeat this. I hope you, 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 you're getting it. All this, all what I'm saying is that it means that the thought of judgment, criticism, and condemnation must, in time, operate against the one who sets it in motion. It is doubtless necessary to the well-being of society that our civil laws be enforced. Else, in our present state of evolution, there will be no protection from those who seek to destroy society. But personal condemnation, personal condemnation can be entirely eliminated. Ultimately, we shall see that the universe rests on the shoulders of love, that God is love, and that all errors of man result as the results of ignorance 
ignorant of his own nature. The happy outlook on life is always constructive. Hear me. The happy outlook on life is always constructive. The understanding heart is filled with sympathy and helpfulness towards all. The understanding heart is filled with sympathy and helpfulness to us towards all. And an evolved soul judges no one, condemns no one, but realize that all are on the road of experience seeking the same goal and that each must ultimately find his home in heaven. In the long run, nothing judges us but the immutable law of cause and effect. Whoever deserves punishment will receive it. And whoever merits reward will find that it is brought by the hand of the Almighty and delivered to him. There is a direct law responding to condemnation and a direct law responding to praise and appreciation. It is, of course, the same law used in different ways. There is a law common to all people which responds to every man's belief in life and the level of that belief. No man can be happy who live in a continuous state of condemnation of people, conditions and things. You cannot be happy if you live in a state of continuous condemnation of people and things. We must learn to praise and not condemn. Let me tell you a little story. I was watching, uh, looking on the television, not on on my computer, and this popped up. This I like, um, I like all these singing shows like The Voice and uh, The X Factor and America Got Talent. I I love to see uh, God's talent being expressed to give people a sense of joy, to make people laugh, to make them feel good about things. All these gifts that, creative gifts that God shower on his people. And people are discovering them and bringing these children and, and, uh, and so together. And it, it, it gives us a sense of joy and happiness. Uh, at least it gives me to see them express their talent. And I came across this young girl. She's 21 years old. And her grandmother raised her. She's, she's from Trinidad and Tobago. Her grandmother, she was raised by her grandmother. And this little girl could sing. So the, the grandmother, uh, she and the grandmother are very close. And the grandmother supporting her all her efforts. And they stay in Trinidad and watch the S Factor coming out of London, England. And... The grandmother encouraging her, telling her, you could do that. I will send you to England and you try and get on the X Factor so that people will see and know your talent. And one year, the the 
grandmother this is the this year she went on the s factor on september 8 so she's been in england one year working towards getting on this x factor thing the grandmother's sacrifice and center and she went on the x factor and i want to tell you about this girl when you see most of the people on these shows they're nervous they're frightened they they full of nerves anybody who do presentations and so on for the first time you your nerves sometimes get the best of you and 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 especially if you're in front of a camera sometimes it's a little nerve-wracking when this child came on the stage i just feel her grandmother love oozing all over her the little girl well, she's a young woman she's 21 she's full of confidence not brag confidence just self-assured know who she is know that she's love that kind of confidence you can't buy that clothes can't do that and she she just just ordinary that comes from within that's god shining through you i could just feel the grandmother's love shining through that child and when that girl opened her mouth and started to sing whoa she's got a gift a genuine gift so what i'm trying to say here once you using what you have for good god will make the way and it's not just if she had that talent and she wasn't loved she could never sing like that she could never present herself so self-assured so happy you could see the joy in her eyes most of the time when i look at these shows i see in fear in in, in these people's eyes but in this little girl this young woman's eyes i was just seeing pure joy joy for singing the love that was singing and we know that god is love so god was just oozing out of her so let me get on i don't know why i tell you that story but let me go on those who have made a study of soul analysis there's all kind of people studying your soul studying spirit studying all sorts of stuff those who have made a study of soul analysis meaning human soul analysis are aware that poisonous secretions in the body are often the results of they said religious morbidities meaning religious uh, condemnation the time has come to break the bondage of these false impressions we have to break away from that and know that god is love if you can understand anything and if what you're doing is not done in love you're not operating in god we are free souls free spirits and because this is true our thought has creative power and since it has this power we must carefully choose what we are to think for everything moves in circles we do not say there is no evil experience i'm not saying that 
We say evil is not an entity, but a misuse of power, which of itself is good. We shall never know the nature of good by dissecting the nature of evil. Yeah, how are you going to know the nature of good if you're focusing on evil? You could only know good by focusing on good. Everything our thought rests upon is either retired or, or quickened by the power of that thought. Everything. Everything our thoughts rest upon is either, is either retired or quickened by that thought. Or you could say it, it either impedes or accelerated. It either slow it down or speed it up. It delays or it open it up. It hinders it or it get faster. It hold up or it hasten it. So everything our thought rests upon is either retard, mean it's hindering it, or or it quickened by the power of that thought. Everyone is a law unto himself. Everyone. Under the great law of cause and effect governing all things. Everyone is a law unto himself under the great law of cause and effect that, that governs all things. When we constructively praise and creatively bless, life abounds with love peace and joy when we constructively praise and creatively bless life abounds with love peace and joy let goodness shine forth let us learn to see that everyone is an evolving Christ let us learn to live and think that we may Retire at night in peace, knowing that no harm can come to the soul. That we may rise in the morning renewed in body and mind, with a brighter outlook, a happier expectation, and a clearer joy, looking upon all with love, condemning none, and blessing even those who seek to injure us. Let us learn to be perfect. Even as that divine being residing in the heart of all and overshadowing eternity must also be perfect. If we think we can guide our brother aright with our own feet still 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 walk in darkness we are mistaken we must first clarify our own vision then we shall become as lights lighten the way for others but can we teach a lesson we have not learned or even a teacher lesson when you don't know it yourself Can we give that which we do not possess? Suppose, to suppose so, is hypocrisy. 
a thing to be shunned. Jesus tears the mantle of unreality from the shoulders of hypocrisy. He just tears it off. We're knowing from the soul of shame and shallowness its last share of illusion. He tears it off. We cannot see reality until our eyes are open. We can't see God until our eyes open. We can't see the indwelling Christ until our eyes open. Until the light of eternal truth has struck deeply within our souls. We ain't seeing anything. We're making things up. We now come to the definite teaching regarding prayer. We shall receive that for which we ask. That's what we read in Matthew, especially in Matthew 7 and 7. It says, we shall receive that for which we ask. It shall be open to us when we knock. And we shall find that for which we are searching. This teaching implies the definiteness of spirit and mental work. There is a there is a, a, a strong correlation here. God is intelligent mind and spirit. And there is a direct response from the universal intelligence to our intelligence. If we ask for bread, we shall not receive a stone. But we are told we must ask believing if we are to receive. Here again, we are meeting the law of cause and effect in the teachings of Jesus. Prayer is a mental as well as a spiritual function of intelligence. It is a certain manner of approach to the spirit. Hear me somebody. A conscious act of mind. A concrete experience of the knowing faculty. Prayer should be direct and specific. And should always be accompanied by a positive receptivity. None of this lamenting, crying nonsense. You're praying and you know. You're praying and believing. You're going to pray like how that girl sing that song. Full of confidence. Full of joy. Her eyes sparkling with love. Her eyes. And all this because her grandmother believed in her soul. Her grandmother believed in her soul. The, 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 the joy and the spark her eyes are lighted up. When you pray, whenever you pray, it must always be direct. Don't go on and on and on and on. Prayer should be direct and specific. 
and should always be accompanied by a positive receptivity. Means you opening up yourself to receive. You pray and you know you're going to get it. So you opening up yourself to receive. God cannot answer prayers which have no meaning. Hear me? God cannot answer prayers which have no meaning. The answer to prayer is in the prayer when it is uttered or thought. So the answer to prayer is in the prayer when it is uttered or when it is thought. We do not pray aright when we are in opposition to the fundamental harmony. The whole teaching of Jesus relative to prayer is that God will answer when we pray aright. He will answer. Jesus points to the fact that if we, being human and consequently limited, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will God give good gifts to those who ask? And he explicitly tells us to ask directly for what we want. I will pause here. I think you get enough. Let me just go over this little bit on prayer again. I just sent in somebody. Somebody on the line wants me to do this. Prayer should be direct and specific and should always be accompanied by a positive receptivity. A positive one. That means no doubt. This is not you're asking your mother for, for or your father for money and well I don't know if he's gonna give me, you know, you know, because the last time he didn't give me and you know no 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 that's not being positive in your in, in, in your receptivity. Yeah, that's not being positive that's being very doubtful. So when you pray, you must be specific, direct. And should always be accompanied by a positive receptivity. God cannot answer prayer which have no meaning. Let me let me let me say this before I, I, I go on here. Let me say this. Have you ever wondered why when you pray for the little things you automatically re- receive it? Have you ever wondered why? You pray for the little things, you automatically receive it. And when you pray for the big things, it, it seems to be taken a while. This has nothing to do with God. This has to do with you and being positive in your receptivity of what you ask God for. When you ask Him for little, because you have no doubt, because it's so simple because it's so trivial so you have no doubt about receiving that you have no doubt about that so you ask and you know you're going to get it and you go about your business you know it's going to show up because it's no big deal 
But when you see something and you think it's a big deal, you're, you're not positively re- making up a receptivity for this, for it to come into you. Because you can't, you can't see nothing in the experience unless you, unless you consciously see it within yourself. So, God cannot answer prayer which has no meaning. The answer to prayer is in the prayer when it is uttered or thought. We do not pray aright when we are in opposition to the fundamental harmony. If you're in opposition to it, and not that you're in opposition to it because you want it, but you're in opposition to it because you don't feel worthy, because you don't think you could get it, because when you're looking at the circumstances outside, you didn't see no possible way how it's going to come into your life. You have no idea about nothing. So you're, you're, you're all these things going on because you can't see it. So what you could see as being accomplished, that's what you get fast. So, let me say this again so you can understand me. God cannot answer prayers which have no meaning. The answer to prayer is in the prayer when it is uttered or thought. We do not pray aright when we are in opposition to the fundamental harmony. The whole teaching of Jesus relative to prayer is that God will answer prayer when we pray aright. Jesus points to the fact that if we, being human and consequently limited, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will God give good gifts to those who ask? And he explicitly tells us to ask directly for what we want. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. I hope you get something out of this. God bless you.